The Gym Class Zeros Podcast, where the zeros are the heroes. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the season two finale of the Gym Class Zeros podcast. I'm your co-host. Is it co-host when there's five of us? It's co-host if there's more than one. All right. So I'm, I'm a co-host, George, one of five. Who else we got here? Seti, what's going on? What's up, guys? That's it? What's up, guys? What the fuck? I mean, Seti he has already introduced fu- me. So what am I going to say? What's up, guys? It's Seti after he says, hey, Seti, what's up? Yeah, yeah I, I agree. George. I agree. Uh, yeah, George that, fucked up. That's fair. I, oh, wait, what? I, for, I forgive you, George. It's okay. All right. What's up, coach? coach? What's up, guys? It's your boy, Coach. Last uh, last episode of the season before we uh, before we take some much needed time off. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one, and uh, let's get the party started. Sorry, who was that? Ju- that just spoke. I think that was that. Coach. Coach. Oh, that was Coach. Okay. Yeah. Brewmaster Kyle here, bringing the season finale to the Bland's Brew of the Week. I'm actually excited for this brew, this Bland's Brew of the Week because uh, the first for the first time in a long time I get to actually take part in this. Uh, Lent is over. I'm back on the alcohol in a healthy way. Uh, and so happy to, to partake today. So um, before we jump into that, oh, of course, we got to remind everybody, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Gym Class Zero's Pod, on Twitter at Gym Class Zero's Pod with a zero. Um, and I think that's like the perfect segue into the Blends Brew of the Week, the final Blends Brew of the Week of the season. Um, because, of course, you can always check out the Instagram page for the beautiful picture that, that Kyle keeps bringing it. But we've talked enough about that. So, Kyle. It's all you. Let's hear it. What do you got uh, brewing for us this week? Yeah, for our uh, final episode, I know, and this is you know your first episode back in a few weeks, so I, I know how much you love sours. So this one, I wanted to bring a nice sour. I saw this at the LCBO, and I couldn't resist. It's a uh, Bench Brewing Sunday's Rosé. It's a strawberry hibiscus light sour. So let's get into it. Let's give her. I'm telling you guys, sours remind me of SETI. I can't have a sour without thinking of SETI. Why? Because I'm always sour. Because the first sour I ever enjoyed was was with you. Ah, tremendous. I'm glad that's the reason why. This is a, a great pick for Kyle for for from Kyle for someone who you know hasn't had a drink uh, in over a month. Nice light beer, ease you back into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about a nine percent beer, but. I thought that would be mean. So I poured this in, and maybe I just did a bad job of it, but I didn't get a lot of head on it. Is that just me? I think you just had uh, it. I think that's just before. me. Yeah, I think it's just, just been a while. But, I mean, you can monitor it. If you pour too much at an angle, you won't get anything. Um, yeah. Then as you come back up, you can kind of till your cup so you get a little bit of a head. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is a good question for Kyle. How much head is the perfect amount of head? So I usually, uh, <laughs> I usually say one and a half fingers, maybe two, but I like no more than two. <laughs> is, is it good? So like the half a finger I got on this is good. Oh yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. So a finger and a half is the rule of thumb. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good one. <laughs> I wish I thought of that. That's That's how we get canceled. (laughs) But stupid dad jokes. Back to the beer. This beer is incredible. Lots of strawberry flavor. Yeah. I'm getting is like fresh, just freshly picked strawberries from the patch. Interesting. I get more of the hibiscus flavor. I get the very floral, uh, a lot more floral than the kind of sweet strawberry. Yeah, like I wouldn't tell you exactly what hibiscus tastes like because I don't know, but but I'm not getting the strawberry, so I'm assuming I'm getting the hibiscus here. I'll let you know tonight. I'll chew on one. I, I bought some bit hibiscus for the uh, picture, so I'll chew. Regardless, on though, this is really nice. This is really nice. I mean, I don't know what the stigma is around drinking something with the word rosé in it, but I'm very confident in uh, in uh, my masculinity, and so I am not one bit phased. Absolutely. On Wednesdays, we drink pink. That's right. That's right. This is really nice, though. 
Like I, I find sours. My relationship with sours is a little bit sour. I'm, I'm hot and cold on it. Depends on the one. This one definitely. When I think summer, I think you're on a patio somewhere. This is one of the rare sours that I, I probably crush more than one of. Mm-hmm. I agree. This is a nice when you're backyard envisioning sour. yourself uh, on the patio, do you envision yourself on a bench? Oh, this guy's on fire today. I'm on fire. Um, I honestly, from my taste, I find it a little too sour. I think more than one. And I, I think, um, I think after one, I think it'd be too much to have another of these. It's, I find it quite tart, but flavor wise, I find it very good. I wonder if it's the, the lightness to it. I find it super well balanced. Like, the floral, the sweet, the sour—it's—it it works well together. It complements each other. Mm-hmm. For sure, I find stuff with hibiscus in it. Oftentimes, it like overpowers everything. Like if if you have like a hibiscus tea, it literally tastes like you're eating lipstick or something like that. But uh, yeah, the the balance between, like you said, the the strawberry and the hibiscus is quite pleasant. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this, and I'm looking forward to my second one tonight. Where's Bench Brewing Company, Kyle? Where are they located? In Beamsville, Ontario. There's a lot of wood puns here between the bench and the beams. It's great. <laughs> I was just waiting for Seti to uh, say I'm something, but I'm he's, tapped, he's tapped out. out. <laughs> he's done. I, I got to say, this is a great way to kind of come back into it after a little bit of a hiatus. Um, where do you guys rank this one? Like, what's your score? Uh, I'll go... What did, what was last week? Last week was another sour, wasn't it? Uh, I th- I would I think I preferred last week's over this one. Last week was the uh, lemon ginger radler. Oh, it was the radler, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. The week uh, before was a sour. Yeah. So I preferred the the last sour we had over this one. But so I'm gonna go. I don't forget what I gave that one. I'll go like I don't know your standard seven. I'm going a bit higher on this one. Um, I'm probably gonna go like an eight one on this one i really like it like i said i find it super well balanced and um i've had a bunch of different ones by bench they make uh really good sours they've had a few other ones like citra grove and strawberry grove sours like these are all ones that they've done in the past and had them all loved them all so bench has always been uh, a tried and true favorite for me so you're not gonna bench bench brewing company and he's back not anytime soon. I think for me, as far as sours go, I'm probably an 8 out of 10 here. As far as regular beers, this is probably a 7.5 out of 10. Certainly good. Like, certainly good. Another thing I wanted to bring up. Nothing about that. I'm just segueing into a completely something completely different. Uh, Producer Segs got me a gift card for my birthday uh, to purchase my own hops. And I did so, and they will be shipping as of... I believe the first week of May. I got the email. They are on track. So I've already put on my trellis. It's ready in the backyard. And I'm really excited to get these. I purchased the Cascade variety and Saz. So I'm looking forward to those. So thank you, Producer Segs. Maybe a sneak peek for what's to come in Season 3. Hey, listen, that was fantastic. Sun Days Rosé by Bench Brewing Company. Uh, this is the Strawberry Hibiscus. Is, are they all Strawberry Hibiscus? Or do they make like multiple different kinds of flavors of the Sundays Rosé? Uh, I've never seen like any others of this Sundays, like the the name Sundays. I think that's specific to this can, but I could be wrong. Uh, okay. I've never seen it with Bench, but um, I think they change their names as they make it uh, different sours. Right. So anything that's Sundays Rosé is a strawberry hibiscus. That's what we're going to go with at yeah. least. Yeah, that's what we're going to go with. Brewmaster Kyle... Uh, thank you for a fantastic final edition of the season two edition of the Class Serials podcast, Bland's Brew thank of the Week. You. Thank you, and I'll uh, keep the audience posted with pictures of the hops and the trellis as they grow. They'll probably be later in the summer, but uh, I'll make sure that Instagram knows. Well, we're going to have to stay active on Instagram. Like We're going to take the summer off. Uh, we're going to kick our feet up, but I think between uh, the various activities that we get into, I'm sure we can keep people updated on Instagram on, on different things, not just the beer we're drinking, uh, but especially the beer we're drinking. 
maybe a uh, live from the softball diamond. Yeah, I think Coach can do that. Coach is actually coaching this year. He's he's uh, he's retired from softball, and he's gonna all like all fantastic and legendary athletes. He's retiring from playing the game, but he's now moving into a new career in coaching the game. Uh, which is fitting for a guy that's last, yeah it's, last summer. Yeah, it was bloody. It was a mess. Career it was like injury. it was kind of like I would I would honestly compare it to like what Tiger Woods went through, like where they almost amputated his leg and made a comeback. Coach's situation is very similar to that. Yeah, same caliber. Yeah, same degree, and the comeback was just as legendary. So, as we said, uh, make sure you keep an eye on Instagram. It's gonna it's gonna be a fun little summer. Seti, do you have this Wednesday in sports history for us? Absolutely. And uh, again, that was a tremendous uh, Beer of the Week segment. I think one of the longer ones we've had. But uh, perfect, perfect timing because it ties perfectly into uh, this week's sports history on April 27th. Uh, so what we're going with here today is in 1994. Uh was the seventh longest NHL game recorded at 125 minutes and 30, uh, 43 seconds, where the Buffalo Sabres beat the New Jersey Devils 1-0. You'd think that a, a game that lasts over two hours long would have more than one goal, but nevertheless, uh, so the seventh longest game in, in NHL history at that time, so I think now it ranks 11th because there's been a, a, a few long ones uh, in recent years, but... Uh, even more impressive is the 70-save shutout from Dominic, Dominic Hasek. So uh, there you have it. Long Beer of the Week segment and one of the longest NHL games ever played. That's pretty remarkable. I mean, by my count, that's over six periods. And so that's basically like playing two games. So you think of it, there's multiple remarkable pieces to this. One is playing that many games uh, or that many periods and that much basically hockey. The other one is the Dominic Hasek aspect of that, where it's it's quite a feat to to record a, a shutout in one game. He basically did it in back to back games all in one night. But you can imagine just the exhaustion, the pure exha- exhaustion at the end of that game. And it would really suck to be on the losing end of that after playing that much hockey and to lose in overtime. That's devastating. And you know that after six periods of play, like guaranteed the goal, the winning goal that was scored was a garbage goal, right? Everyone's tired. Yeah, sloppy you know, as shit. Sloppy play. Goalies probably sweat through all of his equipment. His, especially in '94, his probably his his pads are weighing fifty pounds because mm-hmm. of how wet they are. Uh, so yeah, can't imagine. I, you know, it's hard enough to play one game, but basically playing two games back to back, it's crazy. And even just just thinking about where uh, fitness is today compared to back then. These guys weren't as great of athletes physically as we see today. And then you add in the recovery aspect. And now there's so much technology available. There's so many supplements that are available. Where in between periods, they're getting pumped up with different gels, liquids, hydration, sometimes food. They didn't have necessarily the research or the technology for that back in the 90s. And so you're basically just toughing it out, making it even harder. Then no matter what, no matter when you're playing, if you're going to play six periods in a row, that's going to be hard. But I think our players today are probably more or better suited to do something like that than they were back in the 90s. That's for sure. So a question for you guys relating to this. Let's say your team's in the playoffs. So for you guys would be the, be the sense. Are you staying up to watch those full six periods or are you going to bed? I think for me it depends on the degree uh, of importance of the game. If it's like a regular season game on the West Coast like we're seeing nowadays and obviously it's not going to happen because you don't see a game that run that long. Now they go to shootout and, 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 and all that. Uh, doesn't really matter. If it's something like a, like a playoff game which of course it would have to be for it to be a continuous overtime. Um, I'd like to think yes, because I know that it, it's been a while since the Sens have been in the playoffs, but I remember any time they're in the playoffs, that's a game that I'm, I'm not missing. And I think the fact that it's going into overtime and overtime, 
I'd rather fall asleep on the couch than personally turn that TV off and go to bed. No way you're taking me away from that TV. I couldn't agree more. There's, I only care if it's the Sens or any team. If it's Arizona versus <laughs> well, LA. Especially. For you, especially. especially if it's like Calgary-Vancouver. Calgary, yeah. Cal- yeah. Oh, Calgary-Vancouver. That's a huge, that's a good matchup. Calgary-Edmonton. Calgary-Winnipeg. <laughs> but no, any team, uh, it doesn't matter. I love continuous overtimes. I love the intensity of the game. Uh, I will stay up. I will force myself to stay up for those. If you're at the game, do you stay till the end or do you go home and watch it on TV? I'm I would never leave then. a game. You're an idiot if you leave a game and it's an over. I don't understand the people that leave in a tie game. Even like a one goal game. And, and we're infamous for that in Ottawa. Right? You got to beat the traffic coming out of the Canadian Tire Center. Anybody leaving a hockey game in the last five minutes in a one goal game or a tie game is out of their mind. I'm not paying my money to watch the first period of the fucking hockey game. Agreed. Totally agree. That's the best part of the game. And for you to walk out, shame on you. You're not a real fan. If it's a blowout, different story. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll cut you some slack. But if it's remotely close, what the hell are you thinking? Coach, you've been quiet. What are you, what are you doing in this situation? Listen, <clears throat> if it's your team in the playoffs and, and you're not staying up and you're not staying up to watch the game, you're not a real fan. If you stand by your team the way you say you do, you're going to sit in front of that TV or you're going to sit in that rink and you're not leaving till the game's over, till someone scores the winning goal or till the final horn blows. If you if you choose to leave, I mean, you're not really a fan. I mean, uh, was that the 67s game? Was it uh, on Monday night? And uh, 67s were down 2 nothing. I was ready to pack it up, hit the road. 67 scored two goals in the span of probably two minutes tie the game and and I was ready to go I'm I'm not gonna lie I thought they were out of it but they scored two goals it goes to overtime unfortunately they lose but had I left I wouldn't have been able to experience that and it was definitely an interesting overtime uh overtime frame uh so I'm 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 definitely glad I stayed am I the biggest fan of the 67s not more than that I'm just a casual viewer really but uh but I'm definitely glad that I that I that I stuck around um but yeah, if if the Sens are in the playoffs, doesn't matter which round they're in, they're going to OT. I'm sitting till I, I'm, I'm gonna stay awake. If if I'm starting to fall asleep, I'll slap myself in the face, throw throw some water in my face, or or do something to stay up. But if I'm watching, I'm watching till the end for sure. That's a no brainer. That's pretty solid. I like that little. Uh, I like those kind of interesting history ones, right? Because it doesn't have to be a major milestone, like some guy scoring 600 goals in a season or whatever it is. I think something like that, where it's probably, I'm, I'm sure it was memorable at the time. A game to go on that long, that made some headlines, guaranteed. And they kind of look back at it now, what is it, 20, uh, 28 years ago? 28 years later? Is my math right? 26? That was 28. Like 90, 94, so that'd be 28. Correct. Perfect. So, you know, see, I am sort of a mathematician after all. Maybe not to coach's level, but I still can I, can I can work my way around some numbers with some help. Fantastic edition of, of the last final season two version of this Wednesday in Sports History. I think everything we're going to do today, we're going to call it the final X version of season two. So that was the final this Wednesday in Sports History of season two. So, of course, I've been watching some baseball. Uh, we've been We've been doing a lot of that. The Jays are hot right now. They're not even they're not even running at a hundred percent capacity. No Teoscar Hernandez. The the bats are hot and cold. There's some guys that are slumping, some guys that are hot. When those guys start slumping, the other guys pick it up. It it, it we haven't seen this Jays offense completely run at a hundred percent capacity. And so I think that's something to be excited about. Top of the AL East, and there's a lot more potential there. Need that pitching to be a little strong. That starting pitching needs to be a little strong. We need a bunch of Kevin Gosmans, in my opinion. But I don't necessarily want to talk about Jays right now. Because I think one thing, and we talked about a really long hockey game, but I think another very impressive feat is what Miguel Cabrera did last week, becoming the 33rd player ever in, in the entire world to reach the 3,000 hit club on Saturday night, which I think is, is super incredible. 
Uh, I, I'm going to touch about the Yankees and they're, they're being cowards in just a minute. Uh, but I think first we need to sit back and really, really just highlight how fantastic Miguel Cabrera is and, and the type of career he's had. No doubt Hall of Famer, Triple Crown winner. In the entire world, there's only been 33 play, players to, to hit 3,000 hits and he's one of them. And I think that's, that's incredible. Like think about thir- 3,000 hits. That's a lot of fucking hits. Miggy's one of the best to ever do it, and and that's just fantastic. Love it. Yeah, a lot of players that have either played with or against him uh, say that the, he is one of the best players that they've ever either played with or against uh, in their careers. But I think the he kind of like what he's accomplished in his career kind of goes underrated. I find he's never a guy that you really heard his name being thrown that much uh maybe more so in his prime but even now like i didn't even know he was still playing to be honest i think he's a guy whose uh career has gone underrated uh just because his humility he's not a flashy player but you know he leaves us talking on the field or on the diamond and that's something i really admire about him and uh yeah i think i think he's probably one of the better players at least offensively that we've seen uh, in our generations, for sure. And, and and I think it's tough. Like, you guys say that he kind of flew under the radar, but let's be honest, he played for one of the worst teams for so many years. Yeah. I mean, the Detroit Tigers are terrible. And, they, and they've always been. I mean, yes, he did play with the Florida Marlins the first few years, and he did win a World Series there. Uh, but But despite that, he had his best years with the Tigers, even though they were an underwhelming team. Uh, but, but I mean, to reach three thousand hits is super impressive. Like you got to think that if you're if you're good, you hit two three hits a game, big max. So to get to three thousand, I mean, there's only thirty two other guys who have accomplished that. So uh, if, if if that doesn't scream Hall of Fame to you, I don't know what does. But yeah, a lot of respect to Miguel Cabrera and. and yeah, I, I, I kind of uh, I kind of totally also f- f- forgot that he was still playing. To be honest with you, I thought I thought he was retired, but been wrong in the past. I'm wrong now. Probably be wrong again. So good for him. To put it in the context, he's been around the league for 19 years, right? This is his 19th season. 3,000 hits over 19 seasons. You're just under one hit per game in a 162 game series season of course he's not going to play he didn't play in every single game of every season so so to be basically a point a hit per game average over 19 seasons is special because guys slump guys get hurt you don't play like i said you don't play 162 games a season you don't play in every single game and so to, to to basically be on that kind of track means that he's he's technically averaged more than one hit per game he's ever played and and that's pretty damn impressive. And and, and shifting a little bit because I mentioned the Yankees and, and this pissed me off. In the final game of their series against Detroit, Miguel Cabrera comes up to bat, and Aaron Boone decides to intentionally walk Miguel Cabrera so that Cabrera doesn't end up hitting or doesn't give him the chance to hit his three thousand hit against the Yankees. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that's bullshit. But the biggest thing behind it is, does it really matter if he hits it against your team? Like, we look across all sports, and milestones happen across all sports. Either a first NHL goal, first hat trick, uh, first home run, 3,000th hit, 100th win. Every team is eventually going to be on the wrong end of some sort of milestone. But a guy like Miguel Cabrera, who's been around, who's class, one of the classiest guys in the league, well-respected, to kind of take that away from him and make him wait a little bit longer for it, not cool, but that's not even the issue here. My question is, why do you really care? Like, do I really care if you hit it against me? You've hit 2,999 other hits against other teams. If the 3,000th one is against me, I'm going to stand at the top of that dugout. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clap for you. I'll congratulate you and I'll move on. Is it really the end of the world that he hits his three thousand hit against me? Oh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll speak as the uh, 
as a resident Yankee fan. As you just said, uh, you you don't want to be the team that that player accomplishes a milestone against, no matter what sport you're playing. Uh, so do I necessarily agree with Aaron Boone? I mean, yes and no. I mean, as you said, if 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 it happens, it happens, and you you know you tip your cap, you you shake his hand, and you move on. At the same time, though, you don't want to be known as the team that that's allowed that. Uh, and 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 another thing is, I remember earlier this year in the NHL when Sidney Crosby was at 499 goals, and he was at 499. They were playing against the Senators the one night, and I was cheering so hard that Crosby wouldn't score his 500th goal against against Ottawa. You don't want to be labeled as that team that a milestone happened against. I don't know. I just feel like it kind of looks bad, and and, and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be on the other end of that. Um, that being said, though, I do see where you're coming from, but I personally think that you never want to be on the other end of that, especially with, with a storied franchise as the Yankees, which I'm sure they've been on the wrong side of history on a number of occasions. It's just another one you don't want to add to your record book. Uh, unfortunately, that's the, that's the reality of it. And, and some people might not see it the same and that's okay because everyone's entitled to their opinion. But, but I, I. I'm glad it didn't happen against the Yankees as, as, as a Yankees fan. Because if I, if I told you, who did Wayne Gretzky score his 1,000 point against? Do you know or remember? Well, to be fair, I probably wasn't even alive for that. So I don't really o- Ovechkin's 500th goal. Who did he score that against? I think it was against the Rangers. The point of the matter is I can sit here and name any any team, Right. And as long as it's not Ottawa, I don't give a shit. I, I, to me, I don't care regardless. And I, I almost, I almost compare this to what, what almost happened the other night, where Shohei Otani is basically perfect through seven innings. Guy comes up to bat and tries to drop a bunt down to break the no hitter, the the perfect game. To me, that is one of the cardinal sins in baseball, to try to drop a bunt down. To break up a, a no hitter or a perfect game is just bush league. If you're I'm getting defer- slapped around out there, and you don't want to be no hit, then stand in there and get a hit. But to try to drop a bunt down and run it out to try to to break something up—that's bullshit. But a bunt to hit though, if it gets you on base, it gets you on base. There goes a no hitter. I would be doing the same it's thing. It's a cheap. It's a cheap hit. Yeah, but it's still a hit. Get a proper hit. Then you but can say still, that you didn't get no hit. hit. It's still a hit on the though. on. On the books, that is. That's what matters. A no hitter is only a no hitter in the books. In the books, exactly. But if if you don't want to get no hit, be a big boy, stand up there and get an actual hit. Don't just try to break up a no hitter by some cheap bullshit. Yeah. If you I don't want to get think... no hit, get a hit. I I I think it depends on the situation, right? If it's a tight game, and you're towards sure. the end of the game, sure. yeah, you want <laughs> your team to win at the end of the day. But if you're down five or six runs or I don't know how many runs they were down by towards the end of the game you are like odds are you're not going to win that game right so to me like any to bring it back to to the original conversation is like it just because it happened against you it's not a bad thing it's just a piece of history right and and to make another point like if let's say okay he scores or he hits his three three thousandth. He gets his three thousandth hit. Not all three thousands were, th- all not all three thousand hits were against you, right? So it's not a personal knock on you. Okay, let's say he was about to get his I don't know, realistically two hundredth hit against your team organization. Yeah. I could see you not wanting to do that because then that's a personal, uh, like a person not not personal attack but a personal stat stat against your team, right? Oh, he's. That just means that he throughout his career he's dominated your team. Okay, that I agree with. You don't want to let that happen. But if it's three thousand three thousand hits over a career, and he's hit I don't know twenty against your team. What's what's twenty one, right? Like, to me that I I agree with George. But uh, yeah, I think I agree also with George on the fact that you know if there's a no hit or no hit bid, bottom of the ninth or bottom of the, bottom of the eighth and. You know, you're down six runs. Like, just let the guy have his moment. Or do your best to break it up in a legit way. 
I'm not saying stop trying. I'm not saying yeah, just swing at every run. pitch. Yeah, actually stand up in there and do what nobody else this game has been able to do against this guy. But to try to just slap something in to, to beat the shift and, and run down the line and hope for an error to break a perfect game up, what have you accomplished? You've avoided yourself from going into the books, but realistically, you, you at the end of the day, if that's your only hit, then that's the best you came out with tonight? I sh- you should be more embarrassed about that than actually going into the records book as getting no hit by somebody like Shohei Otani. If, if I'm a manager and my team is down five or six runs, and, and I know I've already lost the game, and I could stick it to him, I'm sticking it to him. Whether it's a bunt, whether it's a... You know, whether you beat the shift one way or another, my, my intentions is, even though I know I lost, even though I know I'm down 5 nothing, 6 nothing in the ninth, I'll take a win if I can break a no-hitter. That's a win in my books. That's called a sore loser in my books. But I don't think you win any accolades not, for that. Because I'm not breaking the rules. No, so but, I, but you've gotten beat hard, and you just you don't want everybody to, to see it for years to come. And and that goes back to not wanting to be the team that's that 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 played against a pitcher who who got a no hitter against you. It's the same thing as the Yankees not wanting to let Cabrera hit his three thousandth hit. It, it, it's the same principle. Is you don't want to be the team on the other end of it. You don't want to be the team that's known to have allowed Otani to throw a no hitter. You don't want to be the team that's known to have let Cabrera hit his three thousandth hit. It's a pride thing. Yeah, it's if you don't want to. You don't want to be that it, team. Then do something about it properly. So, so, so let a, let Miguel Cabrera go up there and and beat me. Make him beat you. If no, I'm the New York I, Yankees, I, at, beat at me. the end of the day, I I think the Yankees actually still won that game. So to be honest, I don't give a shit. But at the end of the day, you know, th- th- yes, I agree to a certain extent that if you're going to lose, you're going to lose with pride and honor. But you know what? If I have the chance to stick it to you just a little bit, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take any chance I could get to stick it. Whether it's ruining a no-hitter, whether it's walking you when you're on hit 29.99 and you're one away from three. I'm going to stick it to you. Because I don't want that to happen to me or to my team. And yes, it sounds egotistical. And it sounds selfish. And it sounds crazy. You call it what you want. I don't give a shit. That's the opposite of pride and honor. <laughs> I know, but that's what I'm saying. I said, I said, if this was me, I'm not, not saying if you're the Yankees, if you're Shohei Otani, whoever the fuck the Angels were playing that night. I don't give a shit. If I know I'm going to lose the game, okay, sure, I'm a sore loser. Yeah, sure, no problem. I could take that. But as long as I could accept the fact that I'm a sore loser, I'm going to do my absolute best to ensure that you don't get what you want on top of a victory. And whether you want to tell me that's right or wrong, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. And I think that's why the Yankees are one of the most hated teams in baseball. And you know what? Bullshit like that. That's hey, don't hate the player, hate the game. So so here's a hypothetical for you. It's mid June. We're at the RA Center here in Ottawa. The Jim Class Zeros softball team has just given up three straight home runs to some guy wearing baseball pants on a Sunday night co-ed softball team. You're the coach. He comes up for the fourth time. Are you are you basically telling producer Seggs to intentionally walk this guy on four pitches? Producer Seggs will do what he wants even though I... But you're the coach. I, 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 you're the coach. Yeah, but I'm the coach. At the end of the day, he's not going to listen to me. He's going to do what he wants. <laughs> if he wants to walk him... That you see, he said he, he's going to do it anyways. And to be honest, I'm not surprised. Be- <laughs> he's going to do whatever he wants. If he wants to walk him, he'll fucking walk him. If he wants to throw him a pitch down the middle, he's going to throw him a pitch down the middle, and whatever happens, happens. That's out of that's out of my control. I'm coach. But he's wearing baseball pants and co-ed softball. And I wore shorts last year and broke my knee. So guess what? <laughs> I'm not making that fucking mistake again. Okay? I have a scar here. The size of about 32 loonies if you put them together. That's how big the scar is on my knee. Take take 32 loonies, stick them together, and that's that's the scar that I got on my knee. Okay? So you know what? I don't give a shit. Producer Sags can do whatever he wants when he's up on that mound. 
I don't give a shit. Anyways, I'm fucking fired up. Let's keep this rolling because I'm in a fucking great mood now. Let's go. Can I uh, can I break your great mood? Please do. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Ovi scored his 500th goal against Ottawa. Oh, <laughs> let's change the, let's change the topic. <laughs> I remember the night. That's why I wanted to. Say hurry up! Hurry up! And nobody remembers that. I did. <laughs> you were probably there. I wasn't. <laughs> I just remembered it because it was against Ottawa. <laughs> it's because he Most remembers people... the velocity and the projectile of the shot. Yeah. <laughs> he had to yeah, write a paper it... about it the next day. It was one of his signature from the hash marks slap, like one timers that I remember it very well. <laughs> hey Kyle, do you remember who the Sens were playing when Daniel Alverson scored his 400th goal? I'll be I'll be impressed if you get this because I remember watching this game. 400th goal. Um, I'm going to go Buffalo. Nope. I'll I'll give you... George, I'll give you a guess too. Uh, Leafs or Rangers? No, he actually scored against Calgary. It was in overtime. Kyle, Mm. I thought you would knew that since that's your fifth favorite team. (laughs) I I, I was definitely under the impression that you would know. I only Uh, like Calgary when they play Arizona. That's the only time I like Calgary. mm, Fair enough. Had you Mm -hmm. given me a guess, I would have said Calgary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, perfect. So uh, we'll be mandating baseball pants for all all softball players this summer. I think that's enough baseball talk, George, because you know what? You got the blood flowing in here, and I I can't do um, a- any more of that because I'm gonna lose my shit. Lose his shit. He's gonna break stuff. Oh, all right. Playoff preview, hockey, coming down to the wire. A few teams are still battling, especially in the West. That West is wide open, I think. I've got um, a little bit of money on the Vancouver Canucks winning it all. Uh, Kyle's seventh favorite team. Uh, And so I'm hoping, selfishly, that they do squeeze into the playoffs. But there's a couple couple things up in the air. Habs and Sens are not making it in the playoffs. I think that's a given. Uh, But what what about the Leafs? Like, what do you make of this? I think they're slated right now to face Tampa in the first round. Could this be another first-round exit for them? And if so, what happens in Toronto? Like, if, if Toronto, with the season they've had the last few years, end up in the first round, they face Tampa, and they lose, let's say, in six. Are people losing their job in Toronto? Are, are, are people out of patience in, in, in Leafs land? Listen, if the Leafs don't make it out of the first round this year, Sheldon Keith's got to go. Kyle Dubas got to go. Especially Dubas, is that you've been there now for probably five or six years you've orchestrated this team you put this team together front to back uh you've made some draft picks you've made some acquisitions to make sure that you're a contender year in and year out and you can't seem to get past the first round look i'm gonna make a statement i think the leafs win against tampa bay this year i don't think tampa bay is the same team as they've been in the last few years they've lost some key pieces guys are getting older uh just the teams are, are 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 not the same but my issue with Toronto is the goaltending. Is you've got Mrazek, you've got Jack Campbell, and you've got Eric Shulgren. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Getting rid of Freddie Anderson was such a mistake. Because look at what he's doing in Carolina. They are one of the, if not the best teams in the league. And in large part is due to Freddie Anderson between the pipes. He's been tremendous. He's been, he's been spectacular. And the Leafs are missing that right now. Even though, you know, they have over 100 points, Austin Matthews is looking at 60 goals, it's it's too bad. However, Steven Stamkos is not getting younger. Braden Point hasn't been the guy he, he, he once was. Kucherov has been very flip-floppy. He's been injured here and there. Uh, I don't think they... I don't think they get past the Leafs in the first round. And I hate to say that because I hate the Leafs with a passion. But I'm looking at it from a realistic point of view, and I really think that the Leafs will get past the first round this year. So I think it's goodbye Tampa. But if Tampa wins, Sheldon Keefe, you're out of there. Kyle Dubas, you're out of there. And uh, and, and and who knows what the future holds in the GTA if the Leafs can't make it out of the first round again. They're going to have to trade someone. They're going to have to buy out someone. You can't keep that team around, and every year you can't make it past the first round. That's embarrassing. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think if uh, if they're able to do it at any time, it'd be this year. You know, you mentioned uh, 
Tampa Bay's an older team now. They've also gone to two straight Stanley Cup finals. So, you know, that's a lot of hockey to be played in the last three years. So I'm sure uh, there's a lot of fatigue there built up. Um, but, yeah, to me what's going to be interesting if the, what if they do lose, which I think they still do have a good chance despite, you know, Tampa being old and potentially tired is, yeah, what, what did they do with their, you know, their big three with – Marner, Matthews, and Nylander. Like, most of their cap is tied up between those three. I think part of the reason why they had to let Freddie walk is probably because they, they couldn't afford to, to sign him to a, you know, a $9 million contract, which is why they're in this goaltending situation. Um, and I find the Leafs, like, yeah, it's going to do you blow up the team at that point and try to rebuild, even though you do still have a young team with three superstar players uh, obviously something there is not working and it's been proven you know they could do well in the regular season and it's kind of similar to to what we've seen with the Oilers is you know there's a difference between a good regular season team and a good playoff team and uh, obviously they've proven that you know they could show off during the regular season but come playoff time uh, the style of play changes and they're not able to adapt so uh It'll be yeah. I'm interested to see what happens. Uh, obviously, I'll be cheering against the Leafs as as per usual. But uh, yeah, I'll be very interested to see uh, what comes of their first round exit if that does happen. I hope the God they lose. I fucking hate the Leafs. This is the so, thing. I, I I think it comes down to goaltending. You guys said it. Vasilevsky on one end, and a combo of of Mrazek. Campbell and some guy I can't even remember his name. And and we know how those guys end up in the playoffs. Matthews is going to disappear. Marner's going to disappear. Who's going to score for you? Michael Bunting, the most overrated 26-year-old we've ever seen in the world? Who's going to score on that team when those guys disappear? And who's going to save a damn shot? I think, honestly, I think they need to get rid of one of their top pieces and invest in goaltending and stronger defense you know they're able to score goals but you know especially in the playoffs you can't allow or you can't allow three four goals a game and expect to win and uh i would expect them i I wouldn't be surprised for them to move one of their big pieces on offense to you know to to bolster up that back end but if if you guys are toronto and let's say hypothetically you know you lose first round and you really have to shake things up are you getting rid of Marner or Matthews? If you Marner. have to get rid of one. I wouldn't even think twice about it. It's Marner. I've they will riot in Toronto Barcelona. if you get rid of Matthews. Yeah, and and he, he he I see what you're saying. However, I've always said it is there's no Matthews without Marner. If Austin Matthews is not playing with Mitch Marner, he's not scoring sixty goals a year. There's no way. There's no way. Yes, in the eyes of the media, everything revolves around Austin Matthews. But Austin Matthews wouldn't be the player he was if it wasn't for Mitch Marner. It's more difficult to find a guy like Marner. I mean, if you look at the league now, there's guys scoring 40, 50 goals at will. But for a player to be as efficient as Mitch Marner, and yes, you know, everybody goes through slumps and, and, and... that's to be expected in the NHL, you know. Uh, but I really like Marner a lot more than Matthews. He's a two-dimensional player. Matthews scores goals and that's it. Marner does it all. He plays a 200-foot game. If Matthews doesn't have the puck, you don't notice him on the ice. He's kind of just skating around. And the only time I, I really notice uh, Austin Matthews is if he's skating by the camera. Otherwise... It's Marner going up and down the ice. It's Marner stealing those pucks. It's Marner making those breakout passes. You need Marner more than you need Matthews. And call me crazy. Call me crazy, but I, I think I have a point here. And and if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But, like, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think, but I'm definitely sticking to Mitch Marner before Austin Matthews. I 100% and if, agree with you. And, and if you were to trade Austin Matthews, you could probably get a lot more just based on the fact that you could sell that he's a goal scorer you're getting a pure goal scorer you're getting this you're getting that you could fetch more in return for austin matthews but mitch marner is more valuable 
I'll, yeah, I agree. I'll take a playmaker who can play with anyone and make them look good over a guy who can just score. Like, for me, a perfect example is Crosby. Obviously, okay, different beast, but it doesn't matter who's on his line on any given year. That player is putting up points. There's no way, what's his name, Chris Kunitz is making the Olympic team if he's not playing with Sidney Crosby, right? So a Great point, great point. So to me, like a, a playmaker who can set up guys for easy goals, easy tap-ins is way more valuable in the long run than having a guy who can put up 50, 50 goals but otherwise has no real value to your team defensively or even setting up others to score goals. So, so what we're talking about here, though, is, is who we, do, we think is more valuable. I think the answer to the question of who's more valuable to the Leafs and the answer to the question of if they can't afford both, who are you getting rid of, are two different answers. Because, yes, I'll agree with you guys, Marner's more effective, better player. Points-wise, I think there's maybe like five or six points that separates the two of them. And Marner's going to be cheaper. And if you do end up trading Matthews, I bet you anything Arizona would line up with like eight first-rounders to bring Austin Matthews to the desert. But my point is, in a volatile volatile fan base like the Toronto Maple Leafs, if tomorrow you trade Austin Matthews, when he's going to hit 60 goals this year. If you trade a 60-goal guy like Austin Matthews, they will riot in front of the the Scotiabank Arena. Guaranteed. Your fan base will lose their shit if you end up moving Austin Matthews right now. Do we think they should move Austin Matthews over Marner? Absolutely. Do I think they will? No chance. I mean, I think he's too riots. valuable to that organization. I think you're going to have riots regardless of who you trade away. And realistically, I think they'll do anything uh, and pick any option before they pick training either one of those two. But of course, I think, but that's like how they got said, to where they are today. Yeah, but I think like you said, for them as a team, val- more valuable is Marner, but on the market, who has higher value is the 50-60 goal scorer. So I think for them, hypothetically, it'd be a win-win keeping Marner and getting more in return for, for Matthews. And, and and here's another thing on, on the whole Austin Matthews thing that you guys are talking about. He's having a hell of a year. What's working, what's worked against him, not in his favor, is he has now set the standard for what's expected of him every year. He's given you a breakout year. He's given you 60 goals. Lee fans are now expecting 60 goals every year, and if he can't give you that, he's public enemy number one, and fuck Austin Matthews, and let's get Austin Matthews out of Toronto because he can't give me 60 goals every year. Mitch Marner's giving you 90 to 100 points a season. He's flying under the radar. He's getting his job done, and he's not attracting as much attention as Austin Matthews. And why? Yeah, because he's not scoring as many as many goals. But you've now labeled Austin Matthews as the greatest scorer in Leafs history because he's had a few years of over 50 goals. What happens when he doesn't hit 50? What happens when he gets injured and only plays half the season and only scores 20 goals, 25 goals? Oh, this, why are we paying Austin Matthews $11 million to score 50? You know, if he's not scoring 55 goals a year, you know, what the fuck? He's fucking overrated, useless piece of shit. That's what you're going to, that's what's going to happen because the Toronto hockey market is toxic. It's fucked. I'm t- yeah, I know it's fucked. It's fucked. So I'm hanging on to Marner. Marner is more valuable. Marner is a guy I'm hanging on to. If I have the choice as the Ottawa Senators, which this choice is never going to be mine to have. First of all, if they do move one, any of those guys, it's not coming within the division. So Ottawa's never going to have a chance at them unless they hit free agency. And nobody's of that caliber is fucking coming to Ottawa in free agency. That's not the point, though. The point is... If I had the choice between the two, of course it's going to be Mitch Marner. He's a more complete player, and I don't have to deal with Austin Matthews' stupid dirt stash. So 100% I'm taking Mitch Marner. But I think also the reason that the Leafs are in the situation they are today is because they prioritize getting themselves in a spot where they don't have to choose between one or the other. They've got no fucking defense. They've got no goaltending because they, can, they want to have Marner and Matthews 
for the next seven, eight, ten years. And I hope I'm right. I hope to God they don't prove me wrong. But I think this is forever going to be their demise. When you guys, when you've got what is it, basically close to thirty million dollars tied down to Matthews, Marner, and Nylander in today's cap, that's huge. And don't forget, and don't forget the eleven million dollars going to John Tavares. You've got half your cap locked in with four guys. Yeah, there you go. Half you're basically your cap, at forty million. You're at forty. You're over forty million for four players, and your roster is twenty-three players. So everyone else is taking a discount to be to have the honor to play with these three or four guys. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, you, you'll never great. win with a team like that. It's great that you can go through a whole season and win shootouts every night, 6-5, 5-7, But that's not going to happen in the playoffs. We've seen it year and year over and over again. It's a different game come playoff time. And you're playing against guys as best dudes. You've got strong teams. You're not playing the Columbus Blue Jackets come April and May. And when you show up against the Tampa Bay Lightning... You can't expect to score six goals and let in five and win a game in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's just not going to happen. And I think Kyle Dubas is a smart guy. But he is in a tough spot right now. And, and, and rolling into the playoffs with that kind of lineup, everybody's all high on it. Great time to be in Toronto sports between the Raptors, the Jays, the Leafs. Yeah, great. But I hope they get slapped. And I hope I'm not wrong. I said it earlier, and I'm going to say it again. Michael Bunting, over-fucking-rated. Fuck that guy. I guess we could all agree that the Leafs suck. Fuck the Leafs. I'll cheer for the... for the. I'll cheer with Kyle for the for the Calgary Flames before I cheer for the Leafs. That's, that's a, without a doubt. I said it real quick here. I want to talk some Raptors because I'm fired up. I'm only a basketball fan. I'm only a basketball fan when it comes to the, to the playoff time. So they go down 3 nothing in the series against the Sixers. We battled back here. No Freddie Van Vliet the last two games. We've won two straight. 3-2 coming back home. Game six. What are you feeling? I know we talk about it all the time. That 3-0 deficit. Can't beat it. No matter the sport. Nobody can come back from 3-0. It's happened before. Do you think it's going to happen here? Listen. I'd love to say it's going to happen. It's definitely not going to be easy if they do pull it off. I think they do win game six in Toronto. Toronto is probably one of the toughest place, places to play, especially in the playoffs because of the crowd. Uh, they seem to have finally figured out, and I, I kind of mentioned that that was their demise in the first two games in our, in our last podcast, but they finally found a way to keep Embiid out of the paint. They're forcing him, they're double teaming him early before he gets in the paint, so he either has to give up the ball you know, at the top of the key or try to make it a tough shot, who, which for him, you know, his bread and butter is, you know, get in the paint and either dunk it or, you know, get fouled. So they figured that out. Um, actually, I think Van Vliet's injury actually is in plays kind of to an advantage mm-hmm. for the Raptors because of their yep. length is on defense is really is what bothering bothering Philly right now is they they're getting the passing lanes. Uh, they've got contesting every shot, and I think that's made a huge difference. I love Fred Van Vliet, but I think right now the Raptors are almost better off, better off without him in this in this series, especially because of their length. But uh, yeah, I definitely think they can win at home. And then Game Seven to me, it's always a toss up. You know, it's any man's game. They're on the road, so Philly's not going to want to give up a three zero lead and a, and then lose Game Seven at home. So they're going to come out motivated. But I like their chances. It's not going to be easy, but I definitely see. Uh, the possibility and an opportunity for them to be the first team to ever do it. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Celtics sweep the the championship favorite Nets in the first round really quickly here. What do you think went wrong for the Nets? Is it is it the Kyrie distraction all year? Is it is it other stuff? How do the wheels fall off there? Uh, I think what we saw in that series was a individual led team versus a complete team playing together. Uh, KD being double teamed every possession, couldn't get any anything going. Same with Kyrie. Boston, first of all, is clicking. They're what, coming into the playoffs. They're one of the hottest teams. I think early January, mid or 
early late January to early February they were like tenth or eleventh in the league. Uh, in the in the East, nowhere near a playoff spot. They just caught on fire, and yeah, they're playing as a team. It's a you know it's a team sport. Where and you we kind of saw that. That's part of the reason why Harden left the Nets during the season is too many egos. You know, too many guys trying to go one on one beat. One v five is never going to work, and I think that's what we saw. And we just saw a Celtics team that's playing together, and they're you know they're out there fighting for each other, and you know. When you got five guys playing as one unit versus one guy trying to face that, uh, that's a recipe for disaster. Hundred percent. I think we we I, I personally mentioned what's going on in Toronto sports right now, and how how exciting it is to be around that Toronto sports bubble. But I think if you look at like over the last ten years, there's nothing quite like Boston sports, between the Patriots, the Celtics, and the Bruins, and the Red Sox, of course. They've just got winners. They breed winners. They don't even breed them. It's fucking. It's, it's it's incredible. I think what what Boston sports fans have been uh, treated to in the last ten to fifteen years is quite special, um, and just just incredible to watch. Just every every Boston team seems to always be in it every year. Also, quick shout out to Marcus Smart. Became the, only the second guard ever to win Defensive Player of the Year. So. Uh, not an easy feat to accomplish, and that again just shows that you know if you got a team that's playing solid on defense, doesn't matter how good the other team is offensively, good defense always always beats a a strong offense, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and to touch back on the Nets, I mean, I'm I'm going to point out three things. The first thing being just the injuries. I mean, Kevin Durant missed a good chunk of the season, and and. When he's the focal point of your team, you cannot afford to have him out of the lineup for as long as he was out. Uh, he missed almost 30 games this year with just some various injuries, which is why they ended up in the position they're in. Number two, uh, the whole uh, off-court kind of uh, distractions with Kyrie Irving with the vaccinations and, and the the league not allowing him to play unless he was vaccinated and 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 eventually you know uh those rules were rules were lifted and and he was finally able to play again but he's one of the best point guards in the league and if you don't have him around on a on a day-to-day if he's not your starting guy every night you end up where you end up and and unfortunately that's what happened And, and you know everybody's got their choice they they want the vaccine they don't want the vaccine that's not my place to comment, but the fact of the matter is, is not having him around hurt the Nets this year. And the final thing is Steve Nash. Okay, new NBA coach. You're giving him a team that is as complicated as they are talented. You've got Kevin Durant. You've got Kyrie Irving. You've got James Harden. All huge egos. You can't throw a new coach like that into a fire like like there was in Brooklyn, and expect him to do something. Because, yes, the players will perform on the court, and the players will give you everything they've got, supposedly. As the coach, though, you can only do so much. And I respect Steve Nash for taking this role on, because it's not easy to coach these juggernauts. I think had he had more experience maybe coaching a team that didn't have as many all-stars, he would be more well-versed when faced with this type of challenge. And I think this first year was a slap in the face. And I also think it was a learning curve. So hopefully in the years for in the in the years in the future, he knows what to expect. He knows exactly what he's dealing with in front of him. Instead of kind of going in blind. So maybe Steve Nash wasn't the right pick to coach this team right away. But at the end of the day, you got to work with what you got. And unfortunately, it didn't work in their favor. So you got injuries, you got egos, and you got coaches with lack of experience. All that doesn't necessarily equal success. And we saw it with the Brooklyn Nets this year. Certainly be interesting to see where they go from here and, and, and how Steve Nash kind of maneuvers this moving forward and what, what comes with the Brooklyn Nets for sure. All I can tell you, though, is go Raptors, go baby. All right, super quick game of the week. What are you guys looking forward to? I think I saw I saw Leeds has got quite a barn burner this year, this week. So, 
Uh, I wonder if, if Kyle's going to be picking that. But we're opening it up because it's the season finale of season two. It doesn't necessarily have to be a game that's happening this week. It could be a game that's happening over the course of the summer. So it could be like the Stanley Cup final game if you want. So Kyle, we'll start with you. I feel like the Stanley Cup final game is an easy cop out, but uh, no, I I had one picked already, and honestly, my, my pick of the week is going to be Tottenham's last game of their uh, Premier League season, which is against Norwich. I know it's not a, a huge it's game, be but a fantastic game, yeah. <laughs> It's a big game for them because they are hopefully going to secure a Champions League spot. So that's going to be the one that I, I hope to see. They're definitely not going to spare great against Liverpool and Arsenal, who they play in a couple weeks. So we'll see how that goes. But um, they've got three of five easy matchups, hopefully. Listen, if, if Tottenham gets a win against Liverpool and helps my, my Man City Blues... I promise to never talk shit about Tottenham ever again. Oh, we have it on on record right now. It's a it's a deal. It's a deal. Coach, okay. what do you got as your okay. uh, game of the, the the season or the summer? All right, guys. So I, I, I'm 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 going to give a game, and I'm going to give something else too that I've been really looking forward to. So we'll start with the game. We've got uh, Chelsea Liverpool FA Cup final. Chelsea's played Liverpool earlier in the year. Carabao Cup didn't go Chelsea's way, unfortunately. Went went to penalty kicks. So I'm hoping we could uh, exact some sort of form of revenge against Liverpool. Uh, on a side note, though, uh, I know all the boys from the Gym Class Zeros podcast this week. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for months, and 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 we're I'm going to my first concert in a little while, and and. Uh, you know, I we've touched in the past on how much we all love music, and and I really love this guy. We're going to see Chris Stapleton, boys. I am f- fucking fired up to see Chris Stapleton. Uh, it was it was actually you guys that that uh, that introduced me to him, and at first I wanted nothing to do with him, but the more I listened to him, the more I I just I fell in love. I, I'm gonna be honest, I fell in love with him, and 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 to see him live is it, 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 he's been on my list for a while, so I'm I'm pumped. So Chelsea Liverpool, and then. Uh, on a musical side, uh, I'm going to leave you guys with the Chris Tableton concert we're attending on uh, Friday night. Broken Halos will forever be a, a an OG for me. Seti, what about you? All right, my game of the week is going to be a sad one, unfortunately. Uh, June 1st, one, you know, one of my two favorite players, soccer players of all time, Giorgio Chiellini, will play his last game for the Italian national team. Uh, in the, I think it's called the uh, Finalissima, which is a game that pins the Euro Cup champions against the uh, South American Cup champions. So they'll be playing Argentina. So last last time he'll be captaining Italy and last time he'll be playing for them on a national team. So uh, yeah, one of my favorite players of all time, him, him and Andrea Pirlo. So uh, yeah, I'll definitely be tuning in for that one. It'll be a, a bittersweet game to watch. That's a good. That's a good one, especially because I sprung the whole. You can pick anything that's not in the next seven days thing on you last minute. Uh, great pick, and I have to go after that. So I'm gonna go. I'm actually gonna go a little bit more recent because I'm gonna call it here, and I might get in trouble with Seti. Uh, I'm going. Uh, it, it, I hesitate, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do it. I'm going Saturday afternoon or, or night. The time has not been determined yet. But it's going to be Game 7, Raptors 76ers, because I'm calling it Raptors are winning it tomorrow night, on Thursday night, and they're forcing a Game 7. So I'm going I'm going Game 7, Raptors Sixers. Before we leave you uh, at the other, at the end of Season 2, and before the guys hate on me for picking a Game 7 that's not even guaranteed yet, uh, gotta say a quick, quick little word for Guy Dafflar passes away after a battle with lung cancer. I think we'd be remiss if we don't mention that. Um, so rest in peace, Guy one of the best to ever do it. Uh, a Habs legend. So cheers to the Montreal Canadiens. Cheers to Guy Lafleur and, and, and uh, said he were thinking of, uh, of, of Les Canadiens. So that's a wrap on season two of the Jim Class Zero's podcast. I think this was forever something we talked about quite often, just having a podcast. Uh, and now we're two seasons in. We're going to take a whole summer off. 
like we said, Kyle will be continuing to run our, our social media on Instagram. Uh, we will be having a Gym Class Zero's Invitational Golf Tournament that we will probably live stream uh, and we'll charge attend. Like you'll have to pay for your tee time and pay $100 to play in the tournament. Um, so, so we'll, uh, we'll be sending out some invites to that. It, it is an invitational. And so you'll get an invite directly in your email mailbox or Instagram DM, something of the likes, but that's it. That's season two. So before you leave, before you move on to your next podcast, make sure you check us out on Instagram at gym class zeros pod on Twitter at gym class zeros pod with a zero. Give us a review wherever you're listening to a podcast. We've learned today that there's a lot of people listening to us on a web browser. So if you can uh, if you can rate us on a web browser, please do. Uh, and for all of them, we're international. We we're looking at our stats earlier. We've got people all over the place uh, listening across the world. So we're like uh, we're like um, we're like Pitbull, Mister Three Hundred Five. We're international. Uh, so that's the Gym Class Zeros podcast season two. On behalf of SETI, Brewmaster Kyle, producer Segs, and Coach, my name is George. Thank you so much for listening to the Gym Class Zeros podcast. Have a good one. We'll see you in uh, in October, maybe September. One and a half fingers. And as long as it's not Ottawa, I don't give a shit. The size of about 32 loonies. I don't give a shit. Fucking hate the Leafs.